Hello and welcome to another episode of Northwestify, uh, the podcast about tech and business in the Northwest. Um, as ever, we have Zach Giorgio in the studio. Say hello, Zach. Hi, guys. And I've said in the studio, but clearly we're not. Um, and we have uh, and we have Alistair Harris from Luckiness joining us today. Thank you, Alistair. Hello. Hi. How are you doing? Right. So um, I want to get to know a bit about you and a bit about Luckiness. So do you mind start off telling us uh, about yourself and then how you got how Loculus came about. Well, so yes, um, it, part of this is very uninteresting because I'm, I'm an accountant. So I, I trained in practice, I did the usual accountant stuff, I became an auditor. Then I uh, decided that was far too exciting. No, um, I became a, I worked into corporate finance and that's where my, my kind of leap into industry came. And one of those businesses that I joined as part of uh, coming out of practice to become a, a, a CFO, well, was a tech business in Stockport, um, trying to exit. Uh, the, the the owner wanted to exit, and that got me really into tech. And and I love it. I love the tech industry for many reasons. From an accountant's perspective, it's lovely. You just build up recurring revenues, and they come in, and you got a clear path. You've got forecastable cash flow, so it's a great place to be as an accountant. So I really got interested in that, and uh, I've, I've essentially remained within the tech business um, in various guises through for the last eight, nine years, doing leadership roles within tech. And so what was the journey then? Where did Loculus start? What is Loculus first? Tell us what it is, and then how yeah. did you get there? So so Loculus, um, Loculus is a is a, a software house that we, we have built a customer interaction management platform, which sounds a very grand term, but, but, but this is essentially managing the digital customer journey uh, uh, for, for retailers, for, for other organizations from the first interaction through to post-service. So front back office, acquiring customers and taking them through that, that, that kind of journey with you and, and responding to them. I mean, most, people see that the kind of consumer side of things so they see the web chat that pops up on the screens they see the frequently asked questions but it's much more underneath it's about managing that journey and making sure that our customers can respond and interact with their customers in the way they expect and want to so cool. this, uh, am i right in saying you're the owner of the business is that right yeah yeah so it the business is is has gone through many many guises over the last so it's 20 years old this year wow okay um I haven't been in it since the beginning, as you can obviously, you know, being a young man as I am. But this, the business started 20 years ago. Uh, my, the other owner with me, Mark Chamberlain, he was one of the original founders of it. This business was sold to, it was called Numero previously. It was sold to a large, uh, a large corporate in Leeds, where it resided for a few years back in 2015. Uh, then me and Mark brought that business off that large corporate back in 2019. And that's when we decided about rebranding the business to Lockless. So we've got a good history. We've got, you know, we work with some of the biggest clients out there, you know, uh, household names like VW, like Argos. We've got a great history with those blue chip clients. Um, and we've been around for a while. It's just Lockless. It's the new, the kind of yeah. new branded and new exciting times ahead. Now it's back in private ownership. So I mean, you did, you, you sort of said digital, the digital customer journey and that, you know, I suppose could come across being a little bit vague from <laughs> anything from a, a CRM to like a Zendesk type uh, ticket management. I guess it, where 
where in the digital, and it's the whole journey you've said, but I said, I'm, I'm still trying to visualize it from the point of view of uh, a business who would want this product and what they, how, you know, how you pitch it, what's your elevator pitch to them? And... So, so essentially what we do is we, we take any, um, any interaction with customers. So be it web chat, be it email, be it phone. We then take that interaction through a process, through a workflow to get to a conclusion for whatever that, that customer wants. So a simple one is, where's my order, for example? You might ask, where's my order on a web chat? Our system automates that, checks the order system, integrates with all the legacy systems within that retailer, within that, and, and can automatically respond saying, your order was shipped yesterday and will be with you on Friday. That, that, that's a simple use case, a short journey, or it could be a complaint. And what our system does is, is take that through to the right agent with the right skills to deal with that, okay. that complaint in the human personalized way. I mean, one of our, our key key differentials is that kind of prioritization of work. We have within our system are automatically based on business rules, prioritizes work to agents. So it doesn't get stuck in queue. It's not first come, mm. first served. It's most important first. Um, okay. We can do that 250,000 simultaneously. So it's about that automation efficiencing, making it efficient to that customer interaction to get it basically resolved first time. In the way they want to probably a really good time to, to 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 buy this business back then so i can imagine you know where you are now with covid and everything like that it's uh you know have you seen a massive upshift in the services that you offer because of covid because everyone's moved very much to hosting things online and if anything i think one of the arguably the biggest things that people have noticed and had to adapt to massively over the past 12 months has been the fact that there's just not been people on the end of a line <laughs> making calls and everyone is now going through exactly what you say, the platform that you're actually servicing. So has that been just amazing for you in, in, a, in a strange way with COVID going on in the background? It, it, the, the great opportunities. Um, I mean, the first few months was actually happening our existing clients. As you say, contact centres not being able to work, contact centres in India being closed within two hours notice. So, so we had to really be, be working with our clients to help them manage that process. I mean, some of our clients do huge volumes through our system. And so, you know, suddenly turning off the, the tap, work doesn't stop. So it's also managing their system, making sure that simple things like they've got enough, enough data storage to store the backlog of things. So the first few months were very much, you know, working with our existing client base because we're very much partnering with our clients. That's one advantage we have as an agile smaller business than say the bigger players in our field is that you know we are we are work with our businesses that we're you know we're true partners so we have them out now it you know over the last six months but we still there's still a, the dichotomy like now bricks and mortar retail don't they're now thinking about opening stores they're not thinking about their online presence at this moment in time because that's their first and foremost priority so because of the ever changing shifting nature of the the world getting that traction we have seen obviously it's been a great advantage to us uh, because everyone's thinking about digital transformation thinking how they enhance their offering actually back into 2021 and 2022 we'll see even further growth because of everyone's learned their lessons that they need an adaptable system to manage wherever their agents or employees are so 
that's brilliant sorry so it's a you know we i would look at this as a tech business but you're coming at this from a cfo perspective does that help when you're talking to potential clients going look i'm a cfo i know how this works what you're trying to do the experience you're trying to generate for your client or your your customer end user and what it means that they'll get a quick turnaround a quick response fewer calls i mean i just looked at your website and you're talking about was it like a 400 400% reduction in calls to call centers if that's the right number, sorry if I misquoted because I just had a look a minute ago. That's huge, like for a lot of business, right? Any anyone would be like biting your hand off for that. So yeah, I think for, from being a CFO and owning the business and going out to meet clients, I know I'm a buyer. You know, historically in my life, I'm the buyer on the other side of the table. So what we're doing is we try and solve problems for customers, our clients. We don't come at it. You know, we've got this amazing tech. We've got you know all this tech that can do all this. Actually, what is your problem? How do we solve that problem? Is it call volumes? Is it is it just allowing you to get your um, deflection so you don't have as many customers coming through, or is it handling them better, or is it better? So many people have different things, uh, different wants from our system, but it's very much, as I said, coming from a buyer, I can talk their language, so it does does assist. I think help. In, in that sales. Um, the other thing as well with Oculus, um, Alistair is. Um, I remember you were in Stockport, just um, behind the pyramid. Um, really, really easy location to get to. Obviously, I know about the the, the the other company that it went to for a couple of years, and then it came back. What was the idea of the move to your new location, which I believe is Oldley Park? Is that right? Yes. So, as a, as a business, when we brought it over, one of the key things for us is it's been through a lot of turmoil. We wanted to change. We wanted a fresh start for starters, and one of those was you know, made us think about the property. But the key driver really was that that property was over three floors. So we had engineering on one floor. We had our implementation team on another floor. We have our sales team on another floor. And for collaboration, that just didn't didn't work. So we wanted wanted a great office for starters. Uh, We wanted a great space. And we wanted everyone on the same floor sitting next to each other so we could force that collaboration. That sounded great back in March 2020. <laughs> and we moved in on the 1st of March 2020. It all worked really well. <laughs> Three weeks later, not so well. But um, so we, yeah, we, we wanted that. We want, and I wanted a place people would be proud to go to work at. So, yeah, I, our, our office is in Oldley Edge. Someone, someone said it looks a bit like a Manhattan penthouse apartment inside. You know, we've got the obligatory table tennis table, of course. But, you know, we've got a huge event space. We've got, what we've invested in the tech for collaboration. So we've got uh, all smart whiteboards. So whether you're on teams in your home or your teams in the office, you can whiteboard together, you can collaborate. And the space in Oldley Edge, if I'm honest, is just a support, the glass house where we've moved into is a tech hub. So similar-minded businesses around there. Um, it's got great, great facilities there, great collaboration spaces within that as well. But also we had a choice in my mind. We had to, we could either go into Manchester city center and all that offers, which is great. I worked in the city centre for many years and loved it. But there's a lot of tech businesses in there. So we wanted to be a bit different. If we're going we're gonna to employ people, we, we need to offer something different. So we went, right, so what's different? Being a 400-acre park with, with a gym over the road. With Although when you get the email about the paparazzi outside uh, photographing the wags that are in there, that's another story. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so we've got gym, we've got 400 acres, walking paths. We've got, we've got a pub on site now. And it's just, you know, lambs being in the fields just outside their offices where you go for your lunchtime walk. 
it's just that environment that just just appealed to me. And uh, rather than sitting by the M60 and watching the lorries go past. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I get that. And I think you tend to see, you know, you do have sort of... I mean, it's really weird, isn't it? Because obviously we, we, we still don't know where we're at, but it's really weird in the respect of how everything's changed and how tech's changed and remote working and not remote working and all of those things that we've been talking about recently. But I suppose there's, there's probably negatives and positives to either because you really will need a car to go to your location, arguably. Am I right with that or, or not? Whereas in the city centre, people can get there via lots of different routes. Or is that changing as well? Well, that's changing. I mean, the, the, the facilities there for cycling... I'm a keen cyclist, but you know they've got the uh, nice showers, nice changing, nice store inside lockers to store your bikes. They're just actually in Oldley Park again. They've got they're refurbishing all their their kind of cycling hubs that they've got inside. Uh, there's a train station obviously in Oldley Edge and there's a and Macclesfield. There's buses that Oldley Park run from those stations every day, backwards and forwards. So you know whilst and if you can't get they're, they're on the main lines, you know so people can. There's a bus. Yeah, the 130, I think it is. There is one bus that goes through outside of that. But I think there is there is ability. And it was something that we we weighed up obviously when we were we were looking because we've been in Stockport for 15 years. So it was very much do we move? Do we do we where do we go? We've looked around Stockport and for what we wanted, there wasn't something in Stockport. And as I said, we wanted to be a bit different from Manchester City Centre. And whilst our employees, you know, they mainly drive um when they came to Stockport. that hasn't changed at the moment but uh, they've got free parking easy access to parking they're not paying a fortune they're not leaving their car somewhere that could break broken into etc for them the experience of getting to the office you go in the opposite way to the traffic actually is is probably better than than the city center yeah i've uh, i walked up in that area for a number of years over in london which is very similar neck of the woods and driving was the way to go but yeah there was certainly advantages to being going against the flow of traffic, being out in the country, say get some fresh air at lunchtime, eating outside. There's, there's tons of things. And you, there's pros and cons, right? The, the connector, you know, there isn't a train line going through your park, fine, but there are lots of other positives. So people are weighed those up. But what I'm interested in knowing is really, you know, what, what a lot of people we ask on this program now, we're a year into our COVID situation, people are looking at their offices. But you said something important, which was, you got everyone off different floors and put them on the same floor so they'd collaborate. And obviously that, that's presumably not happening in that way. But how do you see when you get, when you talked about that growth that you're going to hit up at the end of this year, next year, is that still, presumably going back to an office, you've got the office, is that, does that scale? Yeah, so we, we never, we, when we got the office space, we actually reduced the desk space. Because we, we even back before COVID, um, uh, not that I'm a visionary, but we, we, we were talking about flexible working. We want mm. our staff coming back to the point about it may be a bit more difficult as you're traveling a bit further. We wanted to give staff that flexibility of working, you know, three days a week in the office, two days out the office. And so for us, we've got plenty of space to expand um, because we already anticipated that and, and the work. So we've got plenty of different... I was, in our offices, then we've got different zonal kind of spaces. You can work like you're at a kitchen. You can work on our balcony that overlooks an internal atrium. You know, there's plenty of different spaces. But as I said, I never expect everyone to be in the office all at the same time. And that was pre-COVID. So now, um, you know, that's why we put all the great tools in that allows us to collaborate online and over the teams, etc. Brilliant. Um, 
I was going to ask you, yeah, so you're the AI tools that we haven't really talked much about that, they're part of the platform, the artificial intelligence. Now, um, I'm not going to grill you because you, you've already missed the, only being a CFO and not being a techie, but I don't think that's fair. I think you probably do know a bit more than you're letting on. So what, <laughs> I guess, what does your, um, you know, what are the interesting AI elements of your platform and how big a part of is that of your future plans? Yeah, so, so AI is very much core to our platform. It's, it's core to the automation and to, reduce, to get the efficiencies that I talked about earlier within, within an organization, I think AI plays a great part in, in that kind of automation of lower level tasks. So we, we have a natural language processing engine that, that, that within our system that can, that can understand and read text that comes into our system. So mm. automatically classify it through the system and then pushes it through the workflow that that, that particular text text requires. But stuff like machine learning, and I think people have to understand is that um, it's only as good as you teach it. So yeah. it's never hundred um, percent. And you've got to spend the time teaching specific languages, you know, to it. Yeah. So if you have a very unique business case, you do have to spend the time. And I think sometimes with AI and machine learning, I think that because we're so used to the box in the corners answering our questions because they fed it so much data. We, we, whereas businesses have to understand, I think partly that, you know, you, you've got to teach these if you have specific business requirements of what that means and how that's been interpreted. And I think that's sometimes lost with AI, but I think AI is key to, to really transforming the way businesses operate throughout um, and automation of, of low level tasks. So actually, you know, us as humans get back to what we're great at with dealing with each other, with collaborating with each mm. other, you know, solving complex problems. And sometimes in our industry, you know, AI gets bounded around quite a lot, in my opinion, where some of it is essentially a bit of clever workflow or guided knowledge. Mm. You know, you press A button and get A to C to D. It's so smoke and mirrors. The term AI is quite you smoke and mirrors. So I think everyone's got, you know, we you know, the marketing guys and, and in our industry talk about it a lot, but key, it comes back to what I was saying before, you know, the tech is great, but what problems are you solving the customer? And yeah. whether it's done by an AI bot or it's done by a workflow engine or, you know, a robot that sits there reading, writing different systems, it doesn't really matter. What matters is the actual outcome of, of that, what that tech's trying to deliver. Yeah. So do you find yourself gone, Zach? You no, you go, John. You go. You I was going to say, do you, do you find then you have to? I'm, I am curious about the the tech side of it. Sorry, uh, do you then end up training it per client? You know, for those low level things, or is it is it more like, well, this is a complaint. This text is a complaint, so we can send it over here because we can tell from the sentiment. So yeah, so so we've done the basics. Mm. It, it's very much if there's a specific need. So some of our clients, you know, governmental clients, have certain aspects to them that that may that may, may need teaching to it and i think pe what the people think also it's going to be 100 you percent. Know, at the end of the day the statistical analysis essentially yeah yeah <laughs> and it's never going to be a hundred percent it depends on the data set but no uh, we do have it trained but again and we're always feeding it but it, it depends if you have nuance in your language that your business deals with then obviously that, that has to be trained yeah 
So, so I'm just going to touch on something slightly different, actually. I want to get a little, little, know a little bit more about you. Obviously, we know that you, you were a finance guy and you've moved into the tech world, but you're not originally from Manchester, are you? So how have you appeared here? Why do you like it here? What's so good about the scene here? Is it turning into what Andy Burnham wanted it to turn into, which is one of the tech hubs of Europe? Or, you know, what do you think? Well, first of all, uh, obviously, no, I'm not from here. I grew up in the southwest in the leafy Cotswolds, um, and I was very fortunate. It's a lovely part of the world. However, I, I qualified as an accountant. I was young. I wanted to live in a city, so I threw my dart in the board, and Manchester was the one that was there. So <laughs> I moved up back in 2004, so I've been here a, a, a fair while. Um, I just love Manchester. I love it. I love being able to be in the countryside where I live at the moment, just outside Macclesfield, and I could be in the city centre within half an hour and enjoy all the delights of a city centre and what Manchester has to offer. I mean, I did live in Manchester city centre for a few years and slowly moved out as I've got a bit older and kids come along, you move out a bit further, etc. But it's still that ability to enjoy the city and countryside at the same time, I think is unique to, to Manchester in that respect. And what goes on in the city is great. I think from a, from a business-wise as well, it's great to, you know, I, I hear stories of some of my some of my friends having to move around the country to find their jobs. I've never had to do that being in Manchester because there's so many great businesses that what I wanted to do was on my doorstep with businesses. And I think tech's the same. I know a lot of tech businesses in, in Manchester, obviously. And uh, I think, you know, it's a growing scene. It's, it's, it's resource. That's the big issue I think is attracting the, you know, getting the demand, supply demand for engineers, software engineers, you know, and, yeah, I've been, we've been recruiting quite heavily and, and whilst we recruited other areas of a business relatively easy, getting a software engineer at the right spec and the right person that we want, that's the challenge. And I think that's the challenge for the, the Northwest and, and, and the North to, to kind of make it such an attractive place that you get the talent that, that, that you need up here. Yeah, and it's an interesting one because I, I tend to find that most people, I mean, I'm born and brought up in Manchester, so it's, it's a bit different for me. Um, but I tend to find that people do come to Manchester, either they've come to university or they've moved from places like uh, Cumbria or places that just don't give as many opportunities. And I think many, many years ago, and I think this is what's fantastic about Manchester at the moment, although I, I totally agree with you on the challenge that remains, um, and that is that, Everyone went bright lights, London, London, London for several years. And I think whereas Manchester's now attracting people from North Wales, attracting people from Cumbria, attracting people from other parts of the country because it's a lot more affordable. And actually, you know, it really has advanced and stuff like that. I do think that the challenge will remain, but I don't think it's just a, I don't think it's just a Manchester challenge. I think it's a UK challenge. I think that this, the skills demand is extremely high. And I actually think, if anything, um, the North, potentially just some of the little things that I'm seeing may become even more challenged because of COVID and remote working. Because I've seen a lot of London-based businesses starting to try and attract Northern-based candidates on London-based salaries, which is, which is a really interesting yeah. thing that's never happened before, you know. We've talked about it on here, and I hate bringing up the B word, but you've got Brexit. You've got a lot of less European talent coming into 
the region and stuff like that, or not the region, the UK generally. So I, I just don't know where that's going to stop, to be honest with you, Alistair. Um, and I don't know how we are potentially going to address it. The one thing that I do know and can see happening, which you're probably not going to like, <laughs> being finance and tech, is that I think the wages of software engineers is going to continue to spiral because of these challenges. John, I'm sure you're going to tell me you agree with me, software engineer by trade over there. No, what I'm going to, what I'm going to disagree with you about is that you said, I hate bringing up the B word, and yet every other episode you bring it up. So I'm getting a Brexit swear jar for you. <laughs> <laughs> and every time you say it, you've got to put a euro in there, okay? So... <laughs> Uh, but no, I did. I was. I'm agreeing with you. I think that the, the talent situation is, you know, nationwide rather than um, and the remote situation. Everyone's had a year of remote work, so now, as you say, all the London companies are going. Oh, you know, they're opening their eyes up. Someone in the same same time zone and also remote. You know, what's the big deal? And then, obviously, the next thing that's happened is the Manchester companies are recruiting people from. Cumbria, perhaps, right? People who don't want to relocate and previously, and so they're the ones that are suffering. And then they're going to start recruiting from Eastern Europe or, or further afield where salaries are probably lower. So unfortunately, it's somewhere further down the, the food chain that's going to get hit. But that, I think that's what's going to happen. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, I agree, and I can see it happening already. I can see those tendency of ways. But I think what's really, really sad is, you know, like yourself, John, and Alistair, as, as you've alluded to there or told us about, you know, particularly with the move, you know, as a, as a business owner myself, I like to have an office. I like to have an environment where people build friendships, people build relationships. We've talked about it on this show a couple of times. And again, you know, if we start moving into that world, what then happens? Does that mean that we're not going to be able to see those relationships flourish, which is a key part? I mean, I don't know if anybody saw, Rishi Shunak did a, a report on how, we, how important, did anyone see it at all? It was he literally published it yesterday. You go onto the BBC or the Sky News, it talks about, and he's like, he's like, they're about to tell everyone to go back to their offices, you know, and he's a massive advocate of going back to the offices. And yeah, you could argue it's Rishi Shunak and he wants to make sure that the city centre starts to, <laughs> to generate some revenue. Yeah. But equally at the same time, if you listen and you read the article, it talks about that exact thing. Are we going to lose the essence of that camaraderie, that environment, that culture, that building, which then by nature brings up new ideas and brings up new initiatives and innovations and business adventure and so on by us being isolated and being at home i i, I mean we we one of the reasons i wanted a great office to attract people to the office you know attract, you have to think outside the box if you if you're not one of the big guys you know the story of amazon moving city center etc you know we have to attract talent and that's about package is about the, the environment it's about it's a whole it's not just about the the pound notes in my mind it's, it's about what you're giving people and so we have great, you know, we have two days volunteering. People just take it volunteering. We have, you know, holidays. Once people, some people on, depending on time, like 33 days holiday. You know, we have all these things. But I think for me, it'd be a shame if people don't get back into that, that, that kind of office space to collaborate. For our business, being a small, on the small tech business, you know, we've only got 55, 60 people. You know, what our teams need to work together. And we, we've seen it, it's far more difficult when we're implementing a big, large project 
that they're not sat next to each other. They're not the, the junior guy can't knock on the senior guy's shoulder and go, actually, how, how do I just do this? Or can you help me here? You don't have that water cooler kind of conversations about, have we thought about this? What's the problem you had? So I think whilst, you know, there's a want to work from home, which I completely understand, it's that really balance between that and 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 the office work to really drive the innovation collaboration and uh, and actually mentor the, the the junior people to become more experienced rather than sitting at home staring yeah. at a computer screen. I, I just want to agree with that. I think particularly the juniors are the people who are missing out the most. People who are new to the business or new to the the career are the ones who are going to suffer. The the old timers, even you know, been there a year, you know everyone, or your senior, let's say, developer can be any role. Um, you know what you're doing so you just message somebody when you have a problem you can work independently but people who are individual contributors are not getting getting that tap on the shoulder water cooler conversations all the things that you said they're the ones who are suffering and have been suffering over the last year and their careers are the ones that are suffering um, I talked to my nephews about uh, their brother they're about like 22 and they're you know they're, everyone's been affected by COVID in lots of different ways and some mostly negative i would suppose but lots of positives too but they you know they're saying in a lot of ways their generation are the ones that are hit the hardest because all people my age have got relationships and friendships and jobs and careers and, and it's all established and it's not changed but they're going second year of university or first job or whatever and they're being hit in ways that we probably won't fully understand for years to come and you know it's really interesting because Again, I, I, I totally agree with both points about the juniors and bring the juniors through. However, what's also interesting is that whether the juniors or that you are acquiring new talent, if you acquire new talent and you bring them into your business, you still need a window. And that window is getting them used to what you guys are all about, what that looks like, what that fits like, etc. And what happens is as they move into that world and your world, and they feel comfortable with it, then their ideas flourish because they've heard something over here that they've got experience about somewhere else. You just, you really struggle to capture that when people are isolated. You know, for me, it's that whole piece. And you, you know, you made the point, Alistair, earlier on about you wanted everybody on one floor. You almost moved your business based on the fact that you had isolated units anyway and you wanted everyone together. So, so you know, and it is exactly that bit. So, yes, the juniors do suffer, but I think when you acquire talent, whilst they understand what they're doing and they are self-sufficient to a degree, there's no better place than being able to be around the people that you're going to work with, that you hear stuff, that you can allow the previous experience that you had flourish in that environment. We, we also have that with our customers. So we work with our customers. We workshop, what are your problems? How are we going to solve this? We don't just turn up, we don't just download our software off the website. You know, it, it is a partnership and implementation that is bespoke to each of our, our clients. So even holding those workshops where you, they would come to us and we would go to them, building up that relationship between the two delivery teams, implementing teams, you know, project managers and all this sort of stuff, that just happened, even for me. So. You know, I, 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 I held out and held out to go and see our customers because I wanted to see them all face to face. But I've had to end up doing it on Teams and it's not the same to build those relationships. Us humans are geared to, to actually socialise together. And I yeah. think we can't forget that whilst we don't want to lose the benefits that we've all understood that can happen with working from home, from, you know, video conferencing and, and all the great tools we have. 
we it, the per, we need to marry those two to form the perfect world that that delivers for everybody. I'll tell you one thing that I will add to that though. One thing that I have noticed, particularly in our business, which I do think has been fantastic and something that I'd never have thought about until most recently, was um, if we were taking a requirement or was a kickoff meeting about a particular role or particular project that we were talking about, you know. If you didn't go and meet somebody face to face, sometimes what you do is you generally do a telephone call first of all, and you'd spec it all out. You'd have the conversation, you'd discuss it with everybody, et cetera, et cetera. And then you'd probably arrange to go and have a meeting. Now, sometimes that meeting won't be until later on down the line. Whereas now with technology, what that's happened, what's happened is these kickoff meetings are the modern face to face. So what we're doing is we're um, specking out jobs and we're having conversations and it's a face to face conversation. Um, Oh, or a modern face-to-face conversation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and I really do think it has had a, a huge difference because, you know, as we say, we need that social interaction quite rightly. But the current way we've had to adapt is this is as close as it's been for, for a number of us anyway. And we're able to do that. So I feel that not the the phone hasn't moved away at all from, from being – from for certainly when you're talking to people, the, 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 the best mode apart from over um, email and et cetera and the internet, social media and all that type of stuff. But it's allowed us to move away from just having a phone call to have a kickoff meeting mm-hmm. or just have a phone call to talk about the role. And it's brought it a lot more personal. So I'm, I'm sort of sat there and I'm saying to somebody, all right, so tell me a little bit more about it. What, what? And you just feel like you're in the room with them. Does that make sense to yeah. you guys? Yeah, I, well, I want to I want to be devil's advocate here. You don't think we're in danger of glamorizing our former lives in the office of, hey, it was all water cooler chat and collaboration. But people complained about the long commutes, you know, uh, in constant interruption in the office. You know, some of that interruption is positive because you're getting to hear about stuff. But it was interruption. We're you know in our in three sixty insights and where I where I work now, we've just piloting a meeting free Wednesday, um, and we're not by no means the first company to do it. I, I've heard it called Get Shit Done Thursday in another business. And I love the idea and I think it's, you know, it, it's to be applauded, but it's a pilot. It, it'll definitely work because people get more done. So there's, and I'm glad you said there's pros and cons because there definitely are like, there were great things about working from home, but there were, and there were great things about working from the office. That's not, let's not kid ourselves really. I don't know what you think I was saying. Well, as a business that helps digital interactions, you know, I, I'm all for digital interaction, you know, working remotely. <laughs> you're not going to badmouth it you here. Know, I'm not, I'm not that. You know, this, is what, this is what we're all about. We're allowing companies that, that have, you know, your agent could be sat in Scotland or in London. It doesn't make a difference, um, you know, whether it be phone, email, video chat. So digitalizing paper. So we, we work with financial services companies and some of them have to give paper to, you know, letters are required under the FCA rules on certain circumstances, then how do you digitalize the print room, the paper? You know, when it comes back in, how do you get people working on that data? Because it's a letter. So they have to handle that. So we, there's great advantages for us as a business in the digital world. Um, but I, I think, I, I do think it's that balance. And as I said before, we were all about that flexibility. So some people, quite days, I, I work from home. I used to, before I had to work from home all the time. Fridays was my work from home day. Clear the diary. Fridays was when I did stuff, and I think that it's it's allowing the flexibility 
And the complex thing for businesses, I think, is managing that flexibility in a way that doesn't become disjointed. You know, you know when Bob's in the office, so you can do that meeting. That's a cultural shift that's going to have to change when we go back, I feel, is that whole, not where are you in terms of an employee, in terms of monitoring where they are, as in, I, I don't care. We have a site where people can sit in different areas. I love them sitting on a park bench. I don't really mind. What it's about is making sure that people can work together and it's the right, it, and they know when each other, where, how they're working, where they are. At the moment, they're all at home. Previously, they're all in the office. Well, it's managing that, 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 that complex, more complex way of working. Yeah, so I've, I've, I've got a question. Did you, so have you opened your doors to fully remote staff? Because I feel that once you've done that, you know, the genie's out of the bottle and you can't really say, oh, now we want you in the office two days a week, but you live in Rotherham, or maybe not Rotherham, that's not that far away. Somewhere no. further away. <laughs> we, we, we have had, uh, one of our developers lives in Scotland and we've had people working uh, uh, fully remotely. And we were lucky, we had built the business for remote working. So mm. when we said everyone work from home, we all set up we didn't nothing changed yes we had to invest in some chairs because people didn't have the right chairs etc but in terms of fundamentally we shifted literally within five hours boris came on we announced that we were working from home they could do and i, I don't have any problem with remote working we had a sales one of our sales guys wanted to do an msc part-time msc from a london university so he moved down to london we worked with him to do a part-time role remotely so it's all about, for businesses have to be adaptable to what the talent wants to do almost, to get the right talent, the right people, and get that kind of dedication from them. So I, I do agree. If, you, if people want to work from home, they can, but we, we, we need to build tools around. And it's that complex world as a leader of a business that you then have to manage because some people love the office. You know, generally, the, the old people like myself, and, and so I love being in the office. I love that. So, but you know, other people prefer to would prefer to work at home, and it's managing all that dichotomy. I think is the is the challenge for business leaders. Yeah, and you know, I think you hit the nail on the head. Everyone that we've spoken to has probably talked about flexibility and the blend. You know, you mentioned that earlier on, Alistair. I think going back to your point, John, are we are 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 we glorifying it um, about being in the office? I think by nature, humans like to whinge anyway. So I think people whinged anyway, unfortunately. They're whinging now, never mind before. So whatever you give them, people are going to whinge. It's just part of what we do, you know. The web is glorious sunshine every day. It's too hot. So anyway, we, you know, yeah. yeah. The, I think what I think it is probably whether or not it's right or wrong, it's probably opened up a whole new world for a lot of people. And I think certainly something that most people could never have experienced before, you know, now think, oh, hang on a minute, this could work for me. I think it's such a, arguably a personal choice, not just as a business owner, but actually as, 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 as a, a person that works within the business. You know, for me, working from home at one point was a complete nightmare. I've got a five-year-old and I've got a six-year-old. They're in the house all the time. You know, the whole demographic, you know, everything, not demographic, but everything changes when they come home from school. However, I've got a colleague who has no children. 
and is able to sit at home on his home and not get distracted all day long and actually can produce more work than they've ever been able to produce. So it's so, so difficult. So I think ultimately, and I know we're running out of time and I know John's probably going to want to ask the last question after that. Um, so I do think it's going to come down to having the flexibility, having, you know, what we now know is that we can do this. What we didn't know before, that this was possible. Whether or not our productivity increases or decreases is something that you know we'll, we'll probably have to continue to monitor. But I do definitely feel, not in all walks of life, in some walks, it will be a necessity to be able to offer people fully remote working. And that is probably in that software development world compared to anything else. Um, again, you, you'd like to have them come in at time at certain times but the supply and demand is just going to mean that the more it's being offered the more and more and more and more and more and more the more it becomes an issue um if you don't offer it yourself and like fine my final point would be you mentioned alissa about um it's not just about the salary you know i class the salary like the jackpot number the flashing light one that sits at the top but what's important to a lot of people isn't just that flashing light number. That's got to be within the realms of tolerance. It's everything else that comes with it. It's the, the holidays. It's the pension scheme. It's the share incentive scheme. It's the, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, so I'm in total agreement with that as well. Yeah, and the table tennis table. That's not fair. And the table tennis table. That's, not, that's really important. And the beanbag that I ordered in our <laughs> office and said, does anybody else want a beanbag? And everybody else turned around and said no. So I ordered a beanbag and Denise never gets off it. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> well, I, I, actually, I just want to pick up one last thing you said, um, Zach, which is about getting everyone together. And Basecamp, famously, a, I don't know if you've heard them, but they formerly 39 Signals, they, they created the, uh, the Unreal uh, language or framework. And they have a one week a year where they get everyone, like they're fully remote, like glo globally, all, you know, spread all over the planet, but they get together one week a year, uh, probably not at the moment. And that's how they do it. So I think, you know, we should look to the companies who've been doing it for longer and see how they're managing and, you know, steal with pride. Um, why not? If they're, if they're being successful at it, then let's follow them. So my last question for you, I don't know if it's a follow up, which is, what is the future holding for Loculus? Have you uh, any uh, big plans that you can share with us or is it more of the same? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, as a business, we are, we've traditionally operated in the big enterprise area, real complex businesses. Uh, for example, we, our software helps deal with all the TV licensing applications and dealing with anything to do with TV licensing. So that's 27 million households in, in the country that, that, that our system does you know, complex rules. If you have one that, you know, you're a certain age, you're certain. So we have all that. Um, what we have, and so that, that's great and fantastic work, you know, um, but the, the big deal. So what we're, we're, we're looking at is actually we're, we're bringing our technology and flowing it down to, to a, a, a less configurable solution that serves a different market, essentially. Yeah. So we see that as, as uh, you know, Still including all our, our tech, but it, yeah, it's not it's not the workshop. You don't spend, I mean, six months designing, implementing, you know, testing. It's you get it, you put it in, and it's done. Um, so we're we're really looking to grow that 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 business to help out the 
you know, the smaller businesses that still need this technology and still need that kind of partnership arrangement. Because I think a lot of them, you've mentioned Zendesk already on, on the call today, you know, that's download of the website, but you don't get a human, you know, it, you're left to your own devices. And we kind of want that partnership uh, at that, that lower level to help those smaller enterprises really deliver on their, 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 their journey. So that, that's, that's one of the key things we're doing. And then we're looking at what strikes out COVID. So a big thing in retail at the moment is, you know, our shop's going to turn into showrooms. You know, how, how's that you know, customer interaction around that's all going to work? So we're really looking at that moment about distribute agents, you know, super agents sat in store. You're, 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 you'd go to your John Lewis, you get shown around the store, but you, you contact them online or you email them and you talk to them and you're talking to the poke who sits in store and does the, you know, sells the sofas. And you can go and see Bob when you want to buy one, you know, and, and it's, it's that kind of, we're changing. Um, it's interesting that, that kind of how they're being forced to look at their business models and how we can, we can entwine with that. So it's exciting times because I think what we do is going to shift and what people want from us and what the customers expect from their businesses. Um, so there's always going to be new channels. I mean, not quite sure how Clubhouse fits in quite yet, but you know, you know, WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger, social media, Twitter, you know, all these different, there's going to be others that I don't know about now that, yeah, so we're, we're, we're setting up, you know, we're really focused on that next step, looking two steps down the road and trying to get something really, really the kind of on, on top of everything that's coming through the tech space around us in terms of comms. Just one quick one for me, Clubhouse. I was talking to John about this the other week. Somebody invited me the other day to Clubhouse and I, and I phoned up John and I said, I read it and I was like, John, should I join this Clubhouse thing? It's like a VIP thing. And I've been invited. I'm a, only one of a few people, I believe. And, you know, there's two million people across the globe now. So what is Clubhouse? Can, I, can, can somebody tell me actually what it actually is? Denise knows. Why didn't you ask Denise? She knows. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll ask Denise, but yeah. It, it's essentially... As I see it, it's a it's a non-video call get together. It's essentially it. But but what made I don't know much about it. It's not. But my head of engineering, Kieran, he, he's one of those prop on the top. He wants. He's an innovator. He's he's a guy who buys the latest tech. And I got invited first, and he was so upset that I was on it before he was. <laughs> I think you need to jump on there, Zach. I think that's the answer, and get me on there as well. Think Before Kieran, yeah, because you only get two <laughs> insights as well, I believe. Right, thank, thank you very, you. yeah, brilliant. Thank you very much, uh, Alistair. It's been really brilliant talking to you today and finding out about uh, Loculus. And um, again, thank you for listening on our podcast. Get in touch with us through the usual channels, through the website or LinkedIn. That's it for now.